This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Rosemond, and I'm going to jump right into this today because I've got a lot to cover and only the fastest 30 minutes in my life in which to cover it. So I'm going to dispense with the usual introduction and just say to you that if you want to find out more about me and my parenting and family ministry you can go to johnrosemond.com, John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. In response to last week's program, which you can pick up as a podcast from my website, someone sent me the following email. It begins like this, John, I appreciate your point of view concerning psychology and psychiatry But I disagree with you about psychiatric diagnoses and psychiatric medications. Several years ago, after a long struggle, a psychologist diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. I began taking, and he identifies a psychiatric medication that's uh, one of the most most prescribed for depression, and I began to feel better almost immediately. I'm told, and my improvement certainly verifies this, that the medication I take restores balance within my nervous system, levels out my moods, and prevents me from experiencing the radical mood shifts that I experienced before. The medication may have even saved my life. I don't know how much longer I could have continued living like I was living I will be listening to your show, hoping to hear you comment on that. Well, first of all, I'm glad to hear you're doing better, and I hope you continue to improve. Thanks also for giving me the opportunity to comment on your testimonial. You brought up several potentially sensitive issues, ones that every Christian, however, needs to have clarified first. You've obviously been told that your emotional and mental issues are due to an imbalance of chemicals in your brain, that you have what is usually termed a biochemical imbalance. Well, the fact is, and it's a stone-cold fact, the term biochemical imbalance is purely 100% theoretical. In other words, it's bunk. In order to speak validly about an imbalance in a system, one must first have quantified a state of balance within the system, and here's a fact. No one's ever quantified a state of chemical balance in the brain, and it is furthermore widely accepted that no one will ever be able to measure a state of biochemical imbalance in the brain because there isn't one. The more than 250 chemicals in the brain and central nervous system are constantly fluctuating, Under the circumstances, a so-called balance simply does not exist. Therefore, the notion of a biochemical imbalance is, as things stand, a fiction, as one leading psychiatrist has admitted. The term biochemical imbalance is nothing but a useful metaphor, and that's a quote. The term biochemical imbalance is nothing but a useful metaphor. In other words, it's something that doesn't exist. But the statement from that psychiatrist begs the question, if the term 
biochemical imbalance does not refer to a reality. If it is a useful metaphor, how is it useful? And the answer is quite simple. It's useful to persuade people that the emotional and mental problems they're experiencing involve biological processes that are out of the scope of their personal control and as such require medical interventions in the form of potentially disruptive and even dangerous pharmaceuticals. In other words, psychiatrists and psychologists are using what amounts to fake news to sell psychiatric drugs. In short, people who take these drugs under the pretense that the drugs are restoring chemical balance to their brains are being lied to by people who are profiting from the lie. Second, and this is also a fact, the pharmaceuticals in question Psychiatric medications that are used to treat emotional and mental problems have never reliably outperformed placebos. Now, placebos are pills that contain nothing but sugar or bicarbonate of soda. These drugs have never reliably outperformed placebos in what are known as double-blind clinical trials. A double-blind trial is one in which neither the doctor nor the patient knows whether what the doctor is giving the patient is the actual drug or the placebo. Only a third party knows that. Now, what everyone needs to know is that when it comes to approving psychiatric medications, the Food and Drug Administration only requires that a drug company provide documentation showing that the psychiatric drug in question outperformed the placebo being used in three double-blind clinical trials. If you were listening carefully, you heard me right. When it comes to approving psychiatric medications, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, the governing body that provides oversight concerning such matters, matters only requires that the drug company provide evidence showing that the drug for which they are seeking approval, outperform the placebo being used in three clinical trials. The FDA only specifies three, not three out of five, mind you, or even three out of a hundred, but simply three. That FDA standard is unique to psychiatric medications relative to the standard the FDA requires of drugs that are designed to treat verifiable physical conditions, the psychiatric drug standard, is absurdly lax. Here's a third fact. We absolutely know from insider information that drug companies have had to run hundreds of trials on certain psychiatric medications in order to come up with three trials in which the drug outperformed the pl placebo at a level of statistical significance. That's pretty significant. It means that the psychiatric drugs in question, when all is said and done, are nothing more than very expensive placebos with potentially very dangerous side effects. Did you get that? If a, if a psychiatric drug works no better on average than a placebo, then it is effectively nothing more than a placebo. If a certain psychiatric drug, let's call it leap for joy, is no more effective than a sugar pill, then it might as well be a sugar pill. So, when someone says, going back to the letter that prompted this program, that a psychiatric medication has caused them to feel better, there's no way of determining the accuracy of the report. 
because we don't know how the person would be feeling if, unbeknownst to him, he had been taking nothing more than a sugar pill all this time. There is, however, significant likelihood that he'd be saying he felt better if he'd been taking a placebo like sugar or bicarbonate of soda, neither of which is expensive and neither of which is dangerous unless, in the case of sugar, the person in question is diabetic. People who've been diagnosed with psychiatric disorders, mental illnesses, as they are erroneously known, don't like to hear what I've just said. For whatever reasons, they want to think that their mental and emotional problems are out of their control. I don't understand that, but people get very, very defensive. People who've been diagnosed with supposed mental illnesses, the term is bogus, no one has ever determined that any of these problems are caused by physical processes, and that's a fact. But uh, when you tell a person the things that I am saying in this program, a person who's been diagnosed with a psychiatric diagnosis of one sort or another, people get very defensive. I don't know why they want to think they can't control their own behavior. It boggles my mind why a person would want to think that, why a person would believe that he requires a drug in order to function properly. But then again, personal responsibility is a difficult thing for human beings to deal with. For the first example of that, read Genesis chapter 3. When God asks Adam and Eve if they have disobeyed him, they both each in turn pass the buck. Adam passes the buck to Eve blaming her for his transgression, and Eve passes the buck in turn to the serpent, blaming it for her transgression. Another example of how difficult it is for human beings to accept personal responsibility for anything but good stuff that happens to them is found in today's political arena. Oh yeah, here he goes. The political left in this country capitalizes on that problem, by marketing the disingenuous notion that people who've made bad choices in life are not actually responsible for the consequences of those choices, that they are victims of a system that is stacked against them. And of course, the political left wants you to believe that if you vote for them, they're going to right all these injustices, which they never have and they never will, because if they correct all of these supposed injustices which don't exist in the first place, There'd be no need for the political left. Okay, on to fact number four. As I alluded to a moment ago, there's no validity whatsoever to the notion of a mental illness. An illness is a physical disturbance or malfunction or invasion that can be located in the body and measured. All psychological or psychiatric diagnoses are bogus. They're constructs. They're not realities. Cancer is a reality. Using the right tools, one can see cancer. It can be measured. A biopsy can take, be taken of it. A tumor's temperature can be taken even. High blood pressure is a reality. The physical reality of high blood pressure can be measured. Its existence can be verified objectively. Attention deficit disorder, however, is not a reality. Neither is bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. These are constructs. They can't be seen, and their measures cannot be taken. 
It is accurate to say, therefore, that a person has cancer. It is not accurate to say that a person, in this case a child, has attention deficit disorder. The same is true of every psychological or psychiatric diagnosis. They are all constructs. They are not realities. It's time for a break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I'm responding in this program to a, an email that was sent to me in response to last week's show, the last show. It's actually not last week's because we skipped a week due to the Christmas holiday. So if you go back to the show on the Saturday, a week before the Christmas weekend, you can pick the program up on my website as a, a blog post or what a podcast that's what they call it so anyway uh the notion that um, emotional and mental disturbances are located in the brain and can be seen using brain scans and, and this is an a, a claim made by a certain dr daniel amen amen i don't know how to pronounce his last name that's never been verified and yes i'm saying that his work Dr. Daniel Amen's work has never been verified by objective third parties. He won't allow it. He will not allow third parties to examine his data, which strongly suggests that he has something to hide. For more on this topic, please obtain and read the book Brainwashed, The Seductive Appeal of Mindless Neuroscience by a noted psychiatrist, Sally Sattel, Brainwashed. The Seductive Appeal of Mindless Neuroscience. You won't believe, folks, what you believe to be true because you've heard it over and over and over again. Unfortunately, you know, because people like Amen have been invited to keynote the annual convention of the American Association of Christian Counselors, everybody thinks, you know, the guy can't be anything but uh, the real deal. And so many, many Christians get lured into paying thousands of dollars for brain scans that Sattel claims are of highly dubious value. I don't understand how it is that Christians think that a person's claim to be a Christian automatically makes them honest and above board. So here's fact number five, because psychiatric diagnoses are constructs, because they don't refer to physical realities, psychiatric medications are formulated on the basis of theories. These theories involve the never proven hypothesis that behind every psychiatric diagnosis, there's a biological malfunction of some sort. So here's a fact. If there's no such thing as a biochemical imbalance, which we've established, then these drugs do not restore a chemical balance in the brain. Rather, they introduce into the brain chemicals that should not be there. God did not put those chemicals there. 
And here's another fact. When you put a chemical into a person's brain that shouldn't be there, you're messing with brain chemistry. You're messing with God's chemistry. And remember, the drugs in question have never and do not reliably outperform placebos. These are manufactured chemicals that we're talking about. You put a manufactured chemical into a person's brain, all bets are off, folks. You're running risks. They're potentially serious. For example, some of the potential side effects of taking Zoloft, and mind you, Zoloft is one of the most prescribed drugs for depression. These are published by the company that makes Zoloft, not some fringe group with an axe to grind. Skin rash, hives, difficulty breathing, swelling of your face, lips, tongue, or throat, mood or behavior changes, anxiety, panic attacks, trouble sleeping, impulsivity, irritability, agitation, hostility, aggressiveness, restlessness, hyperactivity, a feeling of being more depressed, thoughts of committing suicide. What what in the world are people doing taking these things? Oh, it goes on. Stiff, rigid muscles, high fever, sweating, confusion, fast, uneven heartbeats, feeling that you might pass out, hallucinations, overactive reflexes, tremors, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, loss of appetite. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, I only read about uh, two-thirds of the list. And, and get this, after listing all the side effects, including thoughts of committing suicide, the manufacturer of Zoloft says, this is not a complete list. Others may occur. In addition, a mother who takes Zoloft may cause through the taking of the drug, and this is, again, this is manufactured by the, uh, I mean, uh, put out there by the company that makes Zoloft. Uh, you take Zoloft when you're pregnant, your child may have heart defects or serious lung problems. Let me ask you, when you buy a bag of sugar, does your grocer warn you of potential side effects? Are potential side effects listed on the bag? Every psychiatric medication has verified side effects of the sort that I just read off. And indeed, these drugs, unlike sugar or bicarbonate of soda, present the very real potential of serious, dangerous side effects. They make some people feel, they make people feel different. They make people feel different. That is a fact. You know, whether you've got, whether you're depressed or not depressed, you take these drugs, you feel different because these drugs introduce chemicals into the brain that shouldn't be there. In some cases, these psychiatric medications cause people to feel better. In some cases, they cause people to feel worse. And some people, when they take these medications, feel better for a while and then begin feeling worse. And some even begin feeling worse than ever. And that presents the very real risk that the person, when he begins feeling worse or even worse than ever, will begin to become despondent, will begin to feel that he is a hopeless case because not even prescribed and very expensive medications seem to be helping him. And at that point, suicide becomes a very real possibility. In this regard, it is, in my estimation, no coincidence that as the percentage of children and teens taking psychiatric medications 
has increased, and dramatically so, so has the child and teen suicide rate, and dramatically so. The two increases have occurred together. Likewise, in the past five years or so, the suicides of many fairly prominent pastors and family members of prominent pastors, I'm not going to name names, unnecessary, go online, figure it out. The suicides of many prominent pastors and family members of prominent pastors have been reported by the major media. I've done research on a number of these suicides and have concluded that it is no coincidence that in nearly every case, if not every case, and especially in the high-profile cases, the person in question had been taking psychiatric medication. I'm not going to name names. You can Google pastor suicide, pastor family member suicide, and verify what I'm saying for yourself. Unfortunately, because of the increase of depression and anxiety disorders in the general population, and because of the increased suicide rate in the general population, and especially among teens and young people, many churches, including, now I am going to name a name, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church, have decided that the solution is to incorporate a program developed by the American Psychiatric Association into their ministries. The program is called Mental Health, a Guide for Faith Leaders. And I've read through the program, and I am a psychologist, licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. Granted, I'm a heretic, I'm an outlier. But I've held a license continually since 1979. They have tried to take it away from me. Why? Not because of any immoral behavior, but simply because they don't like what I say. And let me assure you, if there are any psychologists or psychiatrists listening to this program and they are not solidly rooted in a biblical worldview, they won't like what I'm saying in this program either. This program, developed by the American Psychiatric Association, which many churches, including Saddleback, Rick Warren's church, is nothing more than a means of luring Christians into mental health treatment. At its heart, this program contradicts the principle of scriptural sufficiency. In other words, it says, Christ is not sufficient, Scripture is not sufficient, Christians also need psychology, psychiatry, and some of them may even need drugs. Quite simply, if Christians need to go see mental health professionals, who, by the way, and I, I can say this with authority because I am a member of the profession in question, if Christians need to go see mental health professionals who represent what is possibly the most atheistic profession in America, I, I don't know of a more atheistic profession, a profession occupied per capita by more atheists, and possibly the most atheistic profession ever devised. Keep in mind, folks, every major psychological theorist 
Freud, Jung, Rogers, Maslow, Skinner, they were all atheists. They all denied the humanists, the behaviorists, the Freudians, the big three in psychology and psychiatry, all denied the reality of a creator God. If Christians need to go see these people to resolve emotional and mental issues, then God has been lying to us because if that's the case, then Christ and Scripture are not sufficient in all respects. And it's not possible that God is lying to us, of course, so the only other explanation is that the church leaders in question have been deceived by the master of deception. And I'll close with this. Being a church leader does not make one immune. Being a church leader does not make one immune to deception. And that's the show for today. I hope it's been enlightening. And for some of you, I hope it's been enjoyable. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week.